Better Wealth with Caleb Williams. Should I save slash invest my money into whole life insurance? Is it a good investment? Is it a bad investment? Dave Ramsey and Ramit Sethi and all these people that I respect think it's the worst thing in the world. And then I hear people like Caleb Williams writing the book, The And Asset, and other people that are talking about life insurance as, as an and asset and something that may be beneficial to my portfolio. This is what I'm going to say in this video, this asset analyzer. I'm actually going to take the side of some people that you might not agree with if you're watching this video. I'm going to take the side of Dave Ramsey, Ramit Sethi, and other people when we talk about typical life insurance, because one of the, the things that I think I've been misquoted for, or I think a lot of people, there's been a lot of misunderstanding, is I'm blanket statement in love with life insurance. And I think that's farther from the truth uh, than you even believe because we have a company and we serve people in all 50 states and we have our model for a reason. And the reason is um, I'm so disgusted with the industry. And so what I'm going to do is we're going to go through this process. You can see that I'm putting myself in the corner. And actually, before, before we actually start right whiteboarding, I just want to talk right to the camera. I did this. I actually did this on a whim. As I was thinking about, you know, doing this on the and asset, which this will be the next video is is my should you put your money into an and asset, the pros and cons, the good, bad, the ugly. But I was just like, man, I am doing people a disservice by actually not talking about everything. Like if I'm doing people a disservice if I'm not if I'm not having the conversation about what's really going on. And so I want to I want to talk about that because you might be in the market of you know, shopping for life insurance, or you might be, you might have read my book and have been doing your research on us, or you might be working with somebody and you're just doing research on this. And I just, I want to speak to you because when we're talking about putting your money somewhere, the four, four questions that you need to be able to answer is number one, what do you actually want out of life? And you have to be able to identify that. Number two, you have to identify what an asset is. My definition of an asset is something that you own, something that you have that helps you live more intentionally. Robert Kiyosaki's definition of an asset is something that puts money back in your pocket. Investopedia's definition of an asset is something that grows in value. You just got to be really intentional about that. And the third thing, and this is probably the, one of the most important things that you need to be able to do, is what outcome do you want? What outcome do you want? What outcome do you want by watching this video? What outcome do you want by putting your money in X? What outcome do you want by going to school? What outcome do you want by X, Y, or Z? Like so many people don't connect the dots, but everything that we do with our time and our money has, has an outcome, short-term and long-term. Opportunity cost is is a function of measuring that outcome over a short term or a long term, and so we really need to get in the habit of asking outcomes, outcomes, outcomes. And then, then the fourth area is what. Um, so then we can compare assets, and I'm going to put together a list of 11 ideal attributes, 11 ideal characteristics of a perfect asset. This perfect asset doesn't exist. We're talking about safety, liquidity, growth, passive cash flow, leverageable. It's private. It's tax deductible. It grows tax free. You can, you know, you can get your money out tax free. It it's, protects you. No contribution limits. Like no asset out there ha checks all these boxes, but some check more than others. And if you identify what are important to you and you, what outcome you're looking at, it can help you determine where you should put your money. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about typical life insurance because typical life insurance is, I just caution, it's not a great thing. And I see a lot of people get themselves into a very bad situation. And I just feel bad because some people use my material and don't do the right thing for their clients. And so in this, we're talking about typical whole life. And let me just share with you uh, the reason why we got to be careful with typical whole life. And I'm just going to go down here. And when we talk about whole life, there's a there's a max that you can pay for something and a minimum that you can pay for something. And when I talk about the and asset, we're trying to max the cash and minimize the insurance benefit. 
And when we do that, we, we get a overfunded, well-performing life insurance contract that's really overfunded for the cash and less for the death benefit. And there, there can be a lot of benefits to that. You know, I talk about, you know, an individual being able to take a dollar and doing more than one thing, and that can be super valuable. But we're talking about the 1% of people that are doing this right. The 99% of people that are not doing this right um, are doing typical whole life. And so there's something called a base contract, a base premium. This is actually the premium and then the PUA. And majority of people that are doing typical whole life are just focusing on the base, okay? There's benefits to this. And I'm going to share the, I'm going to share the good, the bad, the ugly. But overall, there's, there's a lot of things, just knowing what we know, it's just, it, it doesn't tend to be a great thing for people to put their money in. So what we're talking is, we're talking about a not, uh, we're talking about a contract that's not well-designed as an, as an and asset is you're not clear on the outcomes that you're, you want. And so with that, let me walk you through how this, how this works. So, so is typical whole life safe? I will say, yes, it's actually, I think that's probably one of the big benefits is it's safe. Um, I think every, every bank will, will fall before um, being insurance companies fall. It's just, they're, they're financially very strong liquidity. Do you have control? This is, I'm going to see if I can, this is what happens when I try to move around here. I'm going to highlight this in yellow. The reason I'm highlighting this in yellow is it depends. One of my favorite uh, things in, in overfunded whole life is liquidity and control. And I've seen contracts that it takes multiple years to see cash in your contract. So if that's the case, I would say short-term, not liquid at all, long-term, liquid. And, and the way that we designed contracts were heavily liquid, liquid and control. And so it, it really depends. This is probably one of the biggest questions I would have when you're talking to somebody about this is really understand that. The growth, I'm also going to put yellow. In typical whole life, I would not say um, it gets good growth. I, you, could even, you could even put the red uh, in there, but the reason why it's yellow is over time, you're still getting actual growth rates of 3 to 4%. And when you factor in taxes, when you factor in cost of insurance, when you factor in other things, where else can you get a very safe four, five, six percent growth rate that is is going to happen and is not affected by future taxes? Still pretty good, but like again, so yellow is probably pretty. That's probably accurate. Number three or number four is passive cash flow. Passive cash flow is very interesting because um, I wouldn't necessarily. I will, I will also make it yellow. I think there's dividends that you don't necessarily have to work for, but. Um, it, it, you also should compare it to things like the other investments. And so, yes, do you get dividends? And, and, and a dividend is a re, quote unquote a return on premium, which with special tax benefits. And later in life, these dividends could pay for the contract. It really makes a difference. And so, yes, it's not like you're getting, it's not like real estate where you put your money in and you're like cash flowing the policy, but it does produce cash flow in addition to the guaranteed growth. Leverageable. This, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this a green. I think this deserves a green. Um, leverageable is, is something that I, that, that's one of my favorite things about life insurance. And even in typical whole life, it's leverageable. Now there might not be much to leverage early on, but it still is leverageable. And that is, that is a benefit. Number six is private. This is, this is very private. And so that is, that is one thing that I will, I will give this. Um, it's, it's not tax deductible. I'm going to just make this. This is, uh, this is supposed to be red. Um, it's not tax deductible at all, and so that's that's a disadvantage to typical whole life. You're not getting a 
tax deduction. But what you are getting is your 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 money grows tax free and a tax redistribution. And so where typical whole life will redeem itself is later in the future because your money grows without taxes and you can take it out tax free. Where out where out there can you put your money in a place that does that? It's a Roth. Well, a lot of people watching this can't even qualify for a Roth. And so there's a lot of people out there that believe that taxes alone are the biggest threat. And here's what I would say in typical whole life, if you're just making a decision in a vacuum, this is this is something that you need to know about. And and from someone like me, it's like you can do way better than just typical whole life. But I just again, I'm I'm sharing with you the pros and cons. Protection and legacy. This is probably one of the biggest benefits of typical whole life is from day one, you have a death benefit and you usually have other riders that can step in and to really help you out when you need that. And you have no contribution limits. Let's just review here. I'm going to get my black pen here. So in the typical life insurance, you're it's safe. The liquidity early on in the control, like that's not, it's not an advantage. It could even be red depending on how it's designed and how little cash you have up front. The growth, I, I think depending on who you talk to, depending on how it's structured, in typical whole life, I'm not necessarily going to make that green, but you could factor in taxes and other things and, and really make the argument that over time, growth is a good thing. Um, number four, passive cash flow. I'm actually, as I'm talking out loud, I don't actually think typical whole life, you can really check the passive cash flow because it's just not fair if we're comparing it to real estate or other things. It's not really, uh, the expectation is not there. It is leverageable. Now, the, the, the asterisk is there might not be much to leverage early on, but leverageable meaning your money will continue to grow and you can have access to capital. I think that's one of the big, best benefits to life insurance. Number six is, is it private? Uh, yes, it is a private contract, which is another big benefit. Um, tax deductible. You do not get a tax deduction by putting your money in. Now, the, the asterisk to that is there's certain, there could be certain um, company contracts that you can get that you get the tax benefit up front, but then you lose the tax-free benefit. And I think most people that do it individually want the future tax-free growth of life insurance. Um, even in typical whole life, even if it's not designed incredibly well, your money grows tax-free. You can take out your money tax-free if if used and set up properly. That's the asterisk there. And then you still get the protection and, and other riders that are, are beneficial and you still have no contribution limits. Now, there's a lot of questions about contribution limits. Can you put unlimited money into life insurance? The answer is no, but it really comes down to what you're worth um, quote unquote debt. I know that sounds a little bit harsh, but it's like the insurance company doesn't want you to be incentivized to kill yourself. And so there is a contribution limit as it relates to how much money you can put in um, according to what you're worth, but there's no government agency saying you can only put in $10,000, $24,000 or $50,000. Like, and, and, and again, this is where I, if you know what you're doing, you can really customize this and, and fit a ton of money in a typical life insurance this actually becomes a maybe because it's hard to fit a ton of money in in the in the in the world of, of typical whole life. And so here's what I would say, knowing what I know, if you're if you're watching this or if you're listening to this and you have not read my book, The Ambassador, if you've actually not done a lot of research on the power of overfunding life insurance, not seeing it as an investment, but seeing it as a, a foundational asset where you can save and, and use your money, like number one, stick around because the next episode I'm going to be talking about the and asset. But then the second thing is like I just very I, I very much caution you that I'm I don't want to badmouth anything in the life insurance industry, but I, I'm telling you there's better ways. And if I see a typical whole life, um, I usually can find areas that it can be better optimized and and it can be better. Now going back to the outcome, 
even if you have a typical whole life policy that was designed somewhat well or maybe not super well, it still could be a good thing. It still can be that asset that could give you the outcome that you want. So before you go wanting to cancel your policy, before you go freaking out, go back to the outcome and 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 take this list and say, okay, having this in my portfolio, what things are important to me and how is this going to enhance other things? That's the power thing, powerful thing about life insurance is even if it's not done properly, it still is such a powerful asset. It can truly make your portfolio and other things better. And there's a lot of people here that would disagree with me and say, actually, typical whole life is way better than Caleb's overfunded life insurance. And here's why. And, and it's you know more of a purist view of how these products are created. And so with that, let me know your thoughts in the comments. Let me uh, just know what your thoughts are in general. Do you like this kind of content? Because I very much want to be like, I'm trying to put myself in your shoes and saying, if I was on YouTube wanting to learn more information, how does Caleb think about everything as it relates to investing? And it's and it, I really go to the drawing board and I don't assume that one thing is good or bad. Um, early on I did and, and going through this process of like, what do I really want? What is an asset? What outcome do I want? And, and then how do I compare these things? It's, it's, it is really powerful. And so anyways, check the next video out, which is talking all about your and asset. And I think what you'll find is when this is structured properly, it becomes a super powerful asset. Thank you so much for listening to the Better Wealth Podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could hit subscribe, leave a review, and share this with the people that you know and love.